0: Deuteronomy chapter 6, I would not only invite you but encourage you to please follow along. Uh, If you do not have a Bible with you, you should be able to find a Bible in the chair rack near you. You'll find Deuteronomy 6 on page 151. If not, most of you probably have a phone or a tablet or someplace where you could find it. While you're looking for it, they say a little knowledge is dangerous If that's true, my knowledge of Hebrew makes me more dangerous than Chuck Norris. Um, In the Old Testament, there are three different words that are used for God. One of them is Elohim, and that's translated just God. It could mean the real God, it could mean false gods, it could mean anything. The other one is Lord, capital L, small O, small R, small D, D, and that's Adonai, and it means Lord. Lord. Much as in the days of knights and stuff, they would say, my Lord and my liege. And then there is Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Most of the time when we're reading that, we don't even notice things are capitalized. I don't even notice. Maybe you, I don't even notice what's capitalized in not. I just read it. But when you see Lord and all capitalized, that is the covenantal name that God chose to reveal himself by. And it is the name Yahweh. It is the one, the only, sovereign Lord of all. And I re- bring that up because in this passage um, from Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 15, is one of the most famous passages to the Jewish people. It's called the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Akad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And that's uh, further on. But um, I bring that up because I wanted to give you time to look it up. And you didn't need to know it, but now you know that I knew it. So anyway, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, we don't do this very often, um, but it was commonplace in the Old Testament when the scriptures were read, the Jewish people stood And last week when Nicu was here in Romania, when someone starts to read the scriptures, everybody just automatically stands. So if you wouldn't mind this morning, in honor of God and in honor of his word, would you stand while I read? Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that Yahweh your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it that you may fear Yahweh your God, you, your son, and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as Yahweh your God of your fathers has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. These words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when Yahweh your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, take care, lest you forget Yahweh, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. It is Yahweh your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, And by his name you shall swear, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For Yahweh your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of Yahweh your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Here ends the reading of the most holy, sacred word of the Sovereign.
1: Well, thank you, Chuck. I'd like for you to uh, open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 34. Uh, We read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 as we began, um, because we see in that text of Scripture teaching that your love for God, the commands of God should be upon your heart, and when they are upon your heart, You are to impress them upon the hearts of your kids um, and the next generation. Psalm 34 has that idea, and we're going to spend some time in Psalm 34 together this morning, but it is a great joy to be together for worship this morning. We're here in response to the grace of our Heavenly Father given to us in His Son, and it is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that we're forgiven and we are counted righteous. Um, We're reminded that the Holy Spirit dwells with us, teaching us, transforming us, comforting us, empowering us, and keeping us. God dwells with us by His Spirit, and what a great joy that is. God God speaks to us today through his word and because of that we want to listen to Psalm 34. I'll read that in just a bit but first um, I want to give you a little bit of background of this psalm and, and then we'll read it. So Saul is still functioning as king of Israel but his days were limited. God had rejected Saul as king because of his wicked heart because Of his disobedience. And God had instructed Samuel, the prophet, to anoint David to be king. God's favor was on David. God used David, in fact, to bring much good to Israel. You remember David killed Goliath. You also remember how David led Israel in many victory battles many times. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, we're told that when David was returning from killing, Goliath, the women of the city, celebrated and sang, Saul has struck down thousands, but David his ten thousands. Well, when Saul heard that, uh, he became very upset. He was jealous of David and feared that David would take over his kingdom. And from that day on, Saul thought of ways to kill David. David. And with that in mind we come to Psalm 34. This psalm has a heading that says this of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and went away. So here's what was going on in the the context of this psalm. Jonathan was a special friend to David and he warned David that his father, King Saul, was actively seeking to kill him. John Jonathan told him to flee for his life, and there wasn't much time, so David fled alone. We learn in 1 Samuel 21 that when David fled, he went alone to Ahimelech, the priest of Nob. And here he got bread uh, to eat, and Ahimelech gave him Goliath's sword which was the only weapon in his possession. Then David went to Gath, uh, which was one of the Philistine cities. And remember that he killed Goliath, the Philistine, and the Philistines were routed on that day. And now David went there to get away from Saul. But While there, the servants of the king of Gath spotted David and said, Hey, isn't this David the one famous for killing tens of thousands of Israel's enemies? And again, David is alone. His wife is obviously vulnerable at this very moment. He was not prepared to fight against all of the Philistines that day. He had no other men with him, and so... Verse 13 of 1 Samuel 21 says this He changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. So he acted like a madman. It proved, in fact, to be a brilliant strategy. Uh, When the king of Gath saw David's behavior, they thought he was a madman and lost his mind, and they they ignored him, and they let him go. And Psalm 34 was written by David when he had time to reflect on that experience. And as he did that, listen to how he credited God for delivering him that day, both from Saul and from the king of Gath. Psalm 34, the heading says, Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him. Out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him shall have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children. Listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Do, do you notice David's desire was to praise the Lord at all times? Not, not just when God gave him the victory over Goliath, but also when Saul was pursuing his life, trying to kill him. Even when David was fleeing for his life, he was praising the Lord because he trusts the Lord to be with him and to help him in those very times. David's life was filled with joy because he lived his life tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord. He He was glad and he was radiant and blessed, not because he lived a life that was trouble-free, but because the Lord was with him in all of his troubles. One of the interesting things about this psalm is that David invites others to join him in his joy. Uh, Verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Verse 8 says, oh taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 9 says, oh fear the Lord, you his saints. Verse 11 says, come O oh children, listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David found a treasure in the Lord and he wants others to enjoy that treasure with him. That really is the heart of disciple making. Which brings me to today, Father's Day. Being a Christian father is really being a disciple maker. God wants to work through you as fathers to influence your children to learn from and follow Jesus. We, we don't have to make it more difficult than it really is. And In this way, I want to encourage fathers today. Fathers, persuade your children to share your joy. There there are, in fact, many things a father does to influence his children, but I want to suggest that the greatest influence a father can have on his children is simply to love Jesus more than anything and to lead his children to do the same psalm 34 gives us some very practical helps for doing that very thing and the first thing that we see david do is to speak well of the lord verse one through three i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul Makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together." David begins this psalm with a commitment to bless the Lord, or to speak well of the Lord, and to do that at all times, not just on the mountaintops, but also in the deep, dark valleys of life. David wanted the Lord to be the focus of his life and words. David says that because David says that because again and again he experienced the Lord's deliverance. In this situation King Saul was attempting to take David's life. Saul was pursuing David for no good reason. Actually it was because of his jealousy. Saul had already thrown his spear at David twice, trying to pin him against the wall. But David escaped, and now Jonathan warned David of Saul's new plan to kill him. David quickly fled for his life, but he left without food or provisions. He left with no sword. He was vulnerable. He was alone. But God provided food and a sword through Ahimelech the priest. And then when the people of Gath recognized David... He pretended to be a madman, and through that, he escaped. And for David, problems became an opportunity to experience more help and comfort, comfort from the Lord. Problems didn't mean that God had abandoned him. Rather, problems meant that God would come to his rescue yet again. Therefore, it was absolutely fitting for David to bless the Lord at all times. It was um, always fitting to speak well of the Lord. Continually, the Lord's praise would flow from his mouth. David's confidence and hope in life was because of the Lord. David was not self-confident and sure of himself. David's Sense of well-being and identity were wrapped up in the Lord's care and favor in his life. David wasn't proud, he was humble. And it was that humility that enabled David to see the greatness of Yahweh. Not not himself, but Yahweh. And that's why David says to all in verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His Name together. The summer before Shelly and I were married, I worked as a counselor at Camp Hebron in Halifax, Pennsylvania. And I drove home from the camp at the end of the summer in my 1968 Volkswagen Bug. Um, and just after it got dark on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, I crossed the bridge and my left rear tire. Fell off. Um, I looked in the mirror, I saw sparks flying, and the belly of this bug was resting on the road. Now, I was a young Christian, and this was really the very first time in my life that I faced a problem like that without my earthly dad being able to come to the rescue. And what I remember so distinctly about that experience, so this was before cell phones. Uh, this was before any way to be able to communicate from the side of the road. But I remember distinctly what, what was significant about that event in my life was before I got out of the vehicle, I prayed. I cried out to God. It's dark outside. I'm in the middle of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And I prayed. I turned to Jesus and called out to him for help. Now, I walked to the nearest service center a couple of miles away to see if they had any tools that would be able to help me. And as I was walking into the service center, I got caught in the entry doors with this motorcycle gang coming out. There was probably 20 or 25 guys, they looked pretty rough, Uh, you know, big, huge beards, leather vests, t-shirts, tattoos, and I had this t-shirt on that said, lift Jesus higher. And I'm stuck in the middle, I'm trying to get in and they're trying to get out, and the one guy said, hey, look at that guy's shirt. And I'm thinking, I'm a goner. This is it. And and they went, look, we're Christians. And they had t-shirts that said, ye must be born again, and various things like that. Um, God surprised me. Um, I was fearful. God surprised me, and God rescued me. And in a very significant way, in a time in my life as a young believer where I couldn't just say dad you need to come fix this I I had to cry out to the Lord and trust the Lord and he enabled us to get the car fixed and I made my journey home safely the next day I proposed to Shelly and uh, she became my wife a number of months later so um, all is good right but it was a significant time in my life again it was because I sought the Lord in my troubles. And that's what David did in verses 4-7. through seven. Seek the Lord. Uh, David says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord and camps around those who fear him and delivers him. This is why David blessed the Lord and praised the Lord and magnified the Lord. In life, you will experience many problems. Uh, You will face many fears. Fear is a very real thing. David had fears Whether you are young or old, or as my mother-in-law says, not older, um, she says older, not old. Um, Whether you're young or older, you will experience problems. Um, Trials come in many different ways. But in every way, whatever the difficult circumstances may be in your life, let it be the habit to look let it be your habit to look to the lord and to cry out to jesus for help certainly our life as a christian began that way when we cried out to the savior to save us from our sins but every day of our life since then should also be marked by seeking the lord and crying out to the lord when problems come we do that because we're convinced of psalm 121 2 which says my help comes from the lord who made heaven and earth we do that because we're convinced of psalm 46 1 that says god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble no one knows us better no one is more qualified to help no one has proven To be a more faithful, knowledgeable, wise, truth-filled, and compassionate friend than Jesus. And yes, Jesus calls us as believers his friend. David says in verse 5 that those who look to the Lord are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The, The body language of someone gripped by fear is plain to see. We've all been there. And we've seen fear in the faces of others that we love. But when with eyes of faith and utter dependence, we cry out to the Lord for help when problems come, knowing that He alone can help, and we will find comfort and rest and hope. The Lord's presence and care brings calm to our hearts, even in the midst of the storm, and our faces radiate His presence. When David was a boy, he shepherded his father's sheep. And we're told in the Scriptures that when lions and bears attacked the sheep, David killed them with his hands. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37, David credits the Lord who delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. When, when David killed Goliath... He did it only with the power and strength of the Lord. David started as a, at a young age crying out to the Lord for help. And again and again, it was the Lord who delivered him. Jesus is the one who delivers us from all of our troubles. Cry out to Him. That was David's experience, and he wants it to be yours also. That is why he says in verses 8-10, through ten, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. O oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If you seek the Lord, you won't be disappointed. I'm convinced of that. I've experienced that. But I also need personally to rehearse that truth in my own life again and again because we get distracted. We can look elsewhere. David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who who makes the Lord his refuge. People will often let you down, but Jesus will never disappoint. Maybe you have a child or a loved one that's facing a problem. They need help, um, but they're looking for help in all of the wrong places. Maybe you, like me, find yourself praying for them, asking our Father to open their eyes to see His goodness, to see the beauty and the infinite worth of Jesus. David says, "O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his refuge. You won't be disappointed. In verses 11 through 14, David imparts some wisdom. David teaches you to fear the Lord. Verse 11, Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord includes a bit of being afraid. After all, God is all-powerful and holy and just. He is the judge, but being, being, uh, having a fear of the Lord is more of a holy reverence and, and all of the greatness of God, something that you have experienced in salvation and in past experiences of being delivered by the Lord, Tony mentioned Isaiah 6. That was the, uh, it, um, uh, Isaiah's experience. And when he caught a glimpse of the greatness of God, he, he was undone, but God met him with mercy and provided atonement for his sin. This fear of the Lord will move you to obey and worship Him. Even, or I should say, especially when you experience problems, the problems of life. That's the context of this psalm. And then in verse 12, David basically asked, do you, do you desire God's best in your life? Again, he asked that in the context of speaking wisdom into our lives when we face problems. And... David then gives two primary pieces of advice or wisdom. One is, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. And two, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, at first glance, this seems to be kind of some odd advice. Uh, why, Why does David say basically two things? Avoid evil with your words and avoid evil with your actions. Why is that? Well, let me ask you this. If you are mistreated by someone else and you respond in your sinful flesh, what kind of words will come out of your mouth? What, what might your sinful flesh want to do to those who have mistreated you? Again, remember the context of the psalm. Uh, this psalm. David had not sinned against Saul, but Saul wanted to kill David out of jealousy that's the experience that birthed this psalm and it's in these very verses that Peter quotes in 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 10 through 12 in a letter that prepares the church for responding to suffering and so how how should you respond when you're mistreated by another listen to first Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 18. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Verse 10 says, For, and then he quotes Psalm 34, verses Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense To anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. One more thing that we learn from verses 17 through 22 in times where we are in the midst of a period of suffering, we need to rehearse the blessings of the Lord. Verse 17 speaks of one of them when the righteous cry for help the lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles so the lord hears the cry of the righteous now because we're justified by faith not works we have peace with god by faith in jesus we stand forgiven and we're counted righteous in christ and because of this we stand in his favor or in his grace jesus has opened a way for us to approach God. The Lord hears the cry of the righteous, so cry out to Him. Verse 18, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him out of them all. He keeps all His bones. Not one of them is broken. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You you may ask, how, how can Jesus really understand? Notice verse 20. Verse 20 says that not one of the bones of the righteous will be broken. John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 36, tells us that That speaks of Jesus as He was crucified on the cross for our sin. Jesus suffered. Jesus was mistreated. Jesus was abused. Jesus faced every kind of temptation that we do, but was without sin. He understood and He understands when you face problems. Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the one who is crushed in spirit. In fact, verses 21 through 22 teach us that those who take refuge in the Lord will not be condemned. The wicked, however, will be condemned. Verse 21, affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of His servants. None of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. Experiencing... Trials and troubles and problems of many kinds do not need to be the demise of your life. Turn to the Lord. Make the Lord your refuge. Cry out to Jesus. He, he promises to deliver you from evil. A um, couple of things, and we'll close with this. Just... How, how do we apply this to our life? One, one of the things that I often think about is how Philippians 4, 4 simply says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So make the Lord your joy. Uh, Psalm 34 is the fruit of that and the and the means of doing that. So if we want to make the Lord our joy, we need to. Be in the habit of speaking well of the lord to bless the name of the lord we need to be in the habit of seeking the lord so um, like the next breath that we have when problems come we're running to the lord with confidence that he hears and he will respond and he'll carry us through deliver us from evil that doesn't mean that he takes us out of all hard situations but He gives us grace in the midst of that to keep trusting Him and to reflect His glory when we're in the midst of those difficulties. So if we are going to make the Lord our joy, we have to taste and see that the Lord is good. We have to rehearse the Lord's blessing again and again. um, We need to think about and remind ourselves and speak to one another of the many blessings that are ours. And in light of that, we have to fight to have this joy in the Lord. Circumstances of life press hard upon us. And we have to fight hard to make the Lord our joy. And sometimes maybe there is a sinful desire in your heart that dulls your appetite for God. So sometimes there's a sinful desire that dulls your appetite for God. And if that's the case, you need to repent. Repent. Sometimes maybe something good becomes more important than the greatest good, enjoying God, living for His glory, if that's the case. If something good becomes too important, you need to repent of that. Don't let your life be full with good things that crowd out the most important thing. Fathers, you do many good things. I want to just close with this. I want to say this. The greatest influence that you can have on your children is to enjoy God more than anything else and to lead your kids to share in that joy. Teach your children by your example and with your words to speak well of the Lord, to seek the Lord, to taste and see that the Lord is good, and to rehearse the many blessings of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we are weak, but you are strong. Again and again, we face problems that are bigger than ourselves, and we desperately need you. Father, we confess that it is so easy for us to, when we face problems, to take matters into our own hands. And I pray that, Lord, more than anything else, when problems come, we would run to you. That we would seek you. That we would cry out to you. And I I pray, Father, that you, by your Spirit, would remind us again and again of your faithfulness and your promises and your teaching and your word. And I pray that you would give us hearts that want to learn from you and follow you, even through the dark valleys of life. Father, we're thankful that you are a great deliverer. We're thankful that you know what we face We're thankful that as we think about the days ahead, um, you don't promise us that we will be trouble-free, but you promise to be with us in the trouble, and we thank you and we praise you for that. Help us to live in light of your faithful presence and work in our lives. Thank you for this body of believers, and I pray that you would take these truths And just bring them to bear upon each of our hearts and lives today in ways that would change us and grow us to reflect uh, your glory in this lost and dying world. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.